tanked. If we want to build the future, we're gonna need something. Like a high-speed internet connection that can turn my ideas into reality. Like the skills to become the world's most powerful coder. The resources to make more films with people who look like me. 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 Like the tools to start my sustainable shoe business. Way more space to collaborate. Yeah, that's better. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to open doors for the next generation so they can build a future of unlimited possibilities. Financial freedom, it's within everyone's reach. And this key shows you how to build prosperity and generational wealth for your family on Becoming the Bank. Hello, it's me, Anissa Keys with Becoming the Bank. All right, so if you're tuning in for the very first time this week, this is a podcast that shares biblical principles and practices that have helped me to become a generational wealth builder. This is not a how-to podcast, but a becoming podcast, how to become a wealth builder, how to become someone who is financially free. It's important that you understand this podcast is about becoming because the principles and practices that I've shared over the last year have really focused on that. So it doesn't get into the how to's and what to do first and what to do second. You can find that information anywhere on the World Wide Web, right? And so I have really focused on who you need to become to become a generational wealth builder, become somebody who's financially free. Over the next four weeks, I will continue on my very last series of providing practices, my own personal wealth building practices. I've shared two of them already. So please go back and listen to those over the last couple of weeks. It's been about um, how to pay down debt, not how to pay it off. It's been about uh, building a business and the importance of different types of income, particularly business income, because that's the only type of income that pays you first. Um, Working for people, it's not a horrible thing, but know that everybody gets their money before you do. So you're the last person to get paid. And so business income is really important to wealth building. Um, It's one of the most important strategies that I've used to uh, build wealth. So this week, though, we're talking about, I don't want to say it's my favorite because they're all really, really close to me. And I'm giving you all the top six for me. Um, But this is huge. So how to create legacy. Um, really, really important. Legacy is your future. It's it's what you leave on, right? And wealth building is one thing, but generational wealth building is different, right? So building wealth for yourself in your lifetime, that's amazing. But being able to have strategy to like leave it on um, for generations to come, that's told, that changes the game, right? So now there's all kinds, like I talked to you before, right? If you, if you reach out to a financial advisor, if you talk to some financial literacy coach, right? Somebody who's like, has like a lot of financial intelligence, you're going to hear all kinds of ways to build generationally build wealth, right? And so I'm not, I'm not giving you all of them. I'm giving you mine. This is my strategy for building wealth. These are based on biblical principles and practices. So let me give you a little background why this is specific to me, right? 
I've had family members and just stories that I've heard, right, of ancestors or um, grandparents working really hard to produce something for their legacy, right? Like they start businesses, right? And then they leave them on for their children. They take out insurance policies and then, you know, they, they're able to like, you know, leave a little bit of money for their children or maybe even like buy property or real estate or, you know, they just build up their estate to be able to leave them boats and, and motorcycles and jewelry and books and whatever it is, right? And they leave it on to their children. And then oftentimes what will happen is that it will get lost. So the, the children receive sort of this blessing, but then somehow, you know, very quickly into the legacy, the assets, the the business, the um, the 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 wealth knowledge, it will be it will just like drizzle out, right? Um, and it's really sad to see because like I've seen people like give their all to something, leave it to their kids, and their kids like lose it very frivolously. Um, and then it's gone like that. So made in one generation, lost in the next generation. So and, and I and I found that there's like two ways, right? There's two things that typically sort of drive this. Um, and I want you to lean in because they're really, really important things that I feel like get missed. And the reason why um, the, the, it's, it's created in one generation and lost in the next generation. So the first one is that they didn't train their children to have the same mindset and discipline around money, right? And so, you know, there's a money mindset. There's a way in which we talk about this, about as you become a way in which you're supposed to steward what God has given you. Um, but sometimes parents do that really well, but they forget to lend that to their children. They forget to train their children up in that way. And so the children are used to living well. They're used to maybe, um, um, you know, having what they want. Uh, uh, maybe doing things that they typically wouldn't uh, see their peers doing, right? But their parents don't tell them how that happened. <laughs> they don't lend them the same like financial knowledge that got them there. And so then the children are left with what they have, what their parents left them with, and they don't know what to do with it. And so then it gets squandered. Right. And the second thing that I found is the reason why um, you'll see the loss. Right. So in one generation, it's created one generation is lost, is that they leave the money in a way that doesn't cover their children no matter what happens. Right. And so it's it's, it's kind of like, OK, here's some money or here's this asset or here's this resource, here's this insurance, whatever. I'm leaving this to my kids. But the way that it's that's left is not necessarily beneficial to the child that it's left to. So it doesn't cover them. It's a really great example. I'm gonna use my mom as a really great example because I get on her about this and that like um, she's acquired some things, but she doesn't have a will or she doesn't have any way for us to be able to have that. And so what's gonna end up happening is she has four children. Um, if something, God forbid, were to happen to her before she was able to create a will or anything, what would happen is, is that it would get stuck in probate during that time, if one of us, hopefully some one of us would step up and say, we'll pay the mortgage until we figure this out for the next year. Um, and then and then we will maybe have some idea about like how to run real estate um, or what to do, how to be able to refinance it when she leaves it to us. Like all of those things are kind of like depends on who your kids are. Right. Like what if we don't work? What if we don't have good credit? <laughs> you know, what if what if we don't have the capacity to organize um, or take care of any of those things? Well, then, you know, it's kind of like, you know, my mom is not necessarily considering sort of our lack in that. So I kind of I kind of see that um, as another challenge that I found as seen as like when when generation to the next sort of loses what one generation has created. 
So I'm, I kind of reminds me, right? Like I, I think everything is for me is like, how do I relate it to the word of God? Because I feel like I've seen this example. And the first one that I've seen, right? When you talk about like teaching your children and training them is between like Moses and Joshua. Like they're different, right? Like Moses knew that he was supposed to steward well these Israelites and get them to freedom, right? And so he knew that he was not going to live forever. And so he planned for that. He planned to bring on Joshua as sort of like his predecessor, and the hope was is that if I don't if I don't make it into the promised land, if it, if it doesn't happen in my lifetime, Joshua, you take them, right? Which is very brilliant, right? Like this is how you continue your legacy, right? Of course, what Joshua did though is Joshua got in charge, and then he didn't do what Moses did, and sort of left the Israelites kind of like to their own devices, which inevitably meant that they jacked themselves up, they destroyed themselves, um, or at least they attempted to, right? Um, which is kind of like that first example of like when we don't train up, when we don't leave on sort of a legacy of knowledge, um, of social capital, some of those other pieces. If, if our children don't know, then um, they're going to be left to their own devices, which means they're going to be figuring it out. And, and maybe it's not something that they can naturally figure out. And so they may squander and lose everything. The second one, the Lord gave direction around, right, is like, I think about um, is that he was really specific about the tribes and who would get what. So once they got into the promised land, he was like, okay, this tribe is going to take this area. This tribe is going to take this area. The Levites are not going to have land because y'all are going to pay them 10% and take care, right? Like he was very specific when he was dispersing, right? Like he, he knew enough about his people, like the way we should know about our children, um, or he was just covering them, spreading it out enough so that like, even if, you know, one tribe messed up, right? The whole legacy was injected up, right? Even if half the tribes messed up, there were still six tribes that were given enough land to be able to, to create still and continue that um, amazing legacy. And so it's so a me to me, that's like that second one, right? Is that that there is, you can see where God was really specific about ensuring that his people were covered no matter what. And, and what I would say is that I have done a bit of both. Right. So I'm a little bit of Moses and, and a little bit of, of taking on that practice of the Lord, of ensuring that, like, I'm trying to train up my children to the best of my ability. I also understand that they have different comprehension levels. Um, and then I also understand that some pay attention more than the others. Um, and the children are just plain special, like, right. Like they, they, you know, they cut up money for fun. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, when they were, when they were little, not all of them do that, but like, you know, they, they don't understand the concept of money. And I worry about, will they ever, because they, they sort of live more comfortable lives than I had too. And so I worry about whether or not they have the ability to even care enough. Um, and so I knew that that was a part of what, what I was, what I, I understand that that's a part of what I'm leaving. And so like, I am thoughtful about doing both. So I'm training up my kids, but I'm also going to be thoughtful about what my plan is to make sure they're covered. So here are my three things that I've done, right? As far as my legacy. And again, everybody does them differently. These are Anissa's. These are mine, right? You can do them however you want, as long as you're thinking about your legacy. Number one, I acquire assets, right? Like I don't sell things. I acquire things and then I keep them. Um, um, I buy I live off some of the money that um, that I'm able to extract from my particular assets. Um, I work as well. 
Um, I'll be working for a long time. I enjoy working. Um, but even my retirement plan is created so that I will not have to sell what I acquire, right? My objective is to acquire as much as I can during the time where it's light time, where I have the energy to. Um, and then at some point, I'm not going to be able to acquire anymore. And then I'll live off my retirement, but I won't sell, which is a, which is a, a strategy for some people with their retirement is they sell what they've acquired and they live off that into their retirement. Um, that is not my plan. I've created my my retirement to be something that I do in in um, separated from my assets. So I acquire assets. I don't sell. That's my first like wealth building sort of um, um, legacy generational wealth strategy. The second thing is I insure everything that I have and I insure it um, not for its value. I mean, I have to have regular like property insurance, but I do a life insurance and my life insurance covers the debt that I have for all of my assets. So for example, if I have um, $2 million in debt, if I were to add up all of the debt that I have with all of my assets, let's say it's $2 million, then I would have a $2 million policy. That policy would not be to pay for or to give to my children when I die. It would be to pay off the debt that I owe on all of those buildings or spaces or boats or cars or whatever I have. So I always ensure um, what my assets are, the indebtedness of my assets. So number one, I acquire assets and then I insure the debt on my assets to make sure that it would be paid off. I do that so that my kids will not be left with a debt that they maybe can't handle or can't afford. So that puts them in the position to maybe lose it. Another question is, is that, well, you still have to pay taxes on most things. You still have to pay insurance. Um, and so you're right. We'll get that to that in just a second. Um, the point is, is that my insurance policies, my life insurance policies, I don't have a burial insurance policy. I don't have a policy that, that goes to my kids to give them a nice cushion of money when I die, make them feel better. I don't have, I don't, I'm not leaving any money to my children. Um, I'm, I'm leaving them with the ability of like um, free assets, right? Assets that are free and clear. And then the last thing, which is most important, is I have a trust. And this is the protection and the covering of my children, right? And my legacy. Is that everything that I own um, is owned by my trust. And my trust is for my children. So not just for my children, it's for my children's children. So my trust is instructed first to take, if I were to die, all of my um, life insurance and pay off all of the debts of all of the property that I have, right? And then my trust is also responsible for managing all of the things that I have, my assets or property, personal property, my estate, whatever, everything is owned by that trust. And then additionally, what will happen is that trust will then, it has pretty strict instructions around when my children will be blessed and when my children's children will be blessed. Typically, it's like they get a lump sum of money if they graduate from college or a vocation um, or if they start a business or if they expand a business, um, if they get married or if they have a baby. Um, and then there's a couple of ages that I feel like are very crucial ages when typically things are happening or transitions are happening where they get a lump sum of money when they hit those ages. The trust, right, will continue to make money because the property or the estate, right, will be debt-free, um, which means that any income that is made from those pieces of real estate or property or um, um, assets, right, will then be a part of the, the trust. And so then the trust will generate income, of course, and then the trust will be able to pay um, and take care of my children during those incrementals. I want to make sure that you understand my trust is not to take care of my children. It is to make
make um, a little bit easier. It is to bless them during certain areas of their life, um, during especially transitions that may cost them a little bit more money. Um, the assumption is, is that the trust will live longer than my children, right? And so that it will end up blessing their children. Even if they jack up the little bit of money that I might bless them with, it will not jack their kids up right? It will not mess their kids up. Um, it will not set their kids back. And so the hope is that it will last long enough past them, even if they are special and they want to blow everything that they are blessed with. All right. So, well, there you go. My wealth building strategy for generational wealth. Hear me out. Again, these are just my ideas, right? And they are just some ideas. You take some, you lose some, right? The wealth building strategy around legacy, there are so many so many that you could look up and you can find, and this should open. It just should open your mind to the possibilities. So we are taking the next four more weeks now. I'll continue to cover my own six wealth building strategies, starting from debt to business ownership, now to um, generational legacy wealth building, excuse me. Um, so I just am hoping that during this time, you find something that you hear that blesses you or opens your mind or you learn something or piques your interest. And ultimately, my hope is that you end up becoming a blessing and a resource to your family, your sphere of influence and your community. This is Becoming the Bank with Anissa Keys. I'll see you next time. Check back next week for more of Anissa's Kingdom Principles to Live a Prosperous Life. To find previous episodes of Becoming the Bank, log on to ShalettaMakesMeLaugh.com. Did you know that United Healthcare helps connect you to doctors and therapists with 24-7 access to virtual care? So I could have therapy from my couch? Yep. Or a doctor appointment from my car? If you wanted to. Wait, you're right. I don't even like when people see me sing in the car couch appointment it is. Virtual visits are just one of the ways United Healthcare helps connect you to better health. Learn more at uhc.com. Plan benefits may vary. You started your business with big dreams and big ideas, but achieving your goals is a matter of doing the little things right. At Bremer Bank, we're ready to help you navigate all the details, questions, and challenges you encounter on your way to growth and success. Because right now, relationships matter more than ever. And understanding is everything. Find out more at bremer.com. It's never too late to set the stage for well-being. Here's your well-being tip of the day from YMCA of the North. Put mindfulness in your tool belt. Mindfulness is a method of paying attention and bringing awareness to whatever is happening at the moment. Be open to the idea of being present and honest with yourself. Observe what's happening rather than trying to control what's happening. We reduce our stress, anxiety, and negative emotions when observing rather than get overly flustered in our reactions. For more well-being tips, meditation, and yoga classes, visit us at ymcanorth.org forward slash well-being.